warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! For the Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Hey, everybody! Uh, welcome to the debut edition of the Bone Bat Podcast. This is Steve Holitz, and this is Gordon. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bone Bat Show, episode 14. This is Steve. This is Gordon. What's up everybody? Welcome to episode 32 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. This is Gordon. How you doing, man?
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 54 of The Bone Bat Show, an episode which marks three years on the air. It's our anniversary. How's it going, man? It's going good. Three years, huh? So what is the three-year anniversary? I, I don't know for podcasts. I'm sure it's like a new mic or something like that. It's, yeah, it's not going to, the, to be the traditional things that you'd find on your Wikipedias and whatnot. I think Wikipedia says it's leather, but I don't want to give you something leather because that would turn it into the wood anniversary real quick. <laughs> You're not going to get those chaps from me. Yeah, I'm not, huh? No. Okay. Not on this show. That's probably, At least not on this episode. That's probably best. Yeah. So, dude, dude I, I am so happy right now. I am so blissed out. Really? Why so? I made the best food for dinner. I, you know, you have one of those meals or a dish where you're just like, even though you're completely full, you're, you just want to keep eating because you just keep wanting to experience the food that you just had. Sure, absolutely. Like dishes are done, everything's put away, and I'm like, oh, man, I got I got to eat something. Just because I've got that that in my head. I went out and I... I picked some fresh cherry tomatoes and a pepper, and I made this salad that was avocado and, and cherry tomatoes and just a little bit of onion, a little bit of red pepper, olive oil, salt pepper. And because the fresh cherry tomatoes are so good, I mean, it's not you can't buy them in a store. Or it's just this good that you can only get that way. Oh, it was like tasted like an angel came in my mouth. It, it was <laughs> so good. So I, I'm all blissed out, man. I, I'm like on a food high right now. And I and I had that and I had perfect hamburgers that went with it. These perfect cheeseburgers and grilled asparagus that was just perfect. I, man, I'm I'm happy. That sounds excellent, man. Yeah. Well, it was a very nice anniversary dinner I had without you. <laughs> very cool. Well, so, you know, remember back in the, the first episode we did, the first few episodes we did, you know, before we really kind of found our sea legs. Back before there were fancy interviews with big musicians or film directors, before there were segments like multimedia triage and all that shit, there was yeah. just me and you and what pisses us off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, and you know, a, we a still couple have of beers. That. Yeah, absolutely. So this episode's going to be a little different. It's going to be kind of a throwback episode, if you will. I've got my throwback jersey on. I got my throw up jersey on. <laughs> and, uh, this is going to be a little more freeform than you're used to. But one thing we have made a tradition of over our last couple of anniversary shows is badass music. When you first heard the music in this episode, you probably thought, holy shit, is that Weezer? That's what you thought. That, that may be what you thought. Didn't yes. It? Yes, it is. And now you might be thinking, secondly, wait a minute. Does that mean that Stephen Gord is sold out? They God, I wish... Wouldn't it be great to sell out? They're always oh. talking about, oh, you know, supporting independent music. And here they are, putting up this big band. Well, the good news is, Weezer met us this summer at the intersection of fucking awesome because they signed to an independent label, Epitaph Records. And they were kind enough to allow us to play the music off their new album, Hurley, in this episode. So, You know, that's not actually how I pitch it to people. I go, yeah, you know, uh, Weezer wanted us to push their new disc. So it sounds like it sounds like we're a lot bigger deal that way. <laughs> yeah, but nobody believes that shit. Nobody so, believes anything I say. I hope so you, you, may as well, you may as well sound good. No one's going to believe you anyway. Right, Go yeah. big. So anyway, I'm I've been a huge fan of Weezer since way back when the Blue Album first came out. 
And so this is a big thrill for me. So I hope you enjoy the music off the new CD. It's kick-ass. We'll talk a little more about the band later on. Well, so you're doing that. Are you going to talk about how they relate to Swedish death metal for 20 minutes? Not at all. No, no. It's going to be a lot more freeform, like I said. Oh, good. So, dude. What? What pisses you off? You know what pisses me off? I do not, and that's why I ask. I'm telling you, people who leave the tags and the little plastic bits on their electronics, like... Like you see someone with a camera and they've, they've still got the sticker on it that says you 12 megapixels lithium ion battery and it. And it just, it, the obsessive compulsive in me wants to go and walk up to the guy and like peel the sticker off the front of his camera. I was actually at somebody's house and they still had the sticker on their TV. What? Like up in the corner. Bullshit. Yeah. Energy star. Come on. Come really? On. <laughs> like they didn't know to take it off. I, I don't. I, I don't get. I don't you, either. Like, was it on the screen, or was it actually obstructing the view of the picture, or was it no, like on the side? It was on the corner, but it was, but it was obvious. Your eye was drawn up to it. It was on the the edge, so it wasn't in the picture, but it was on, still on the front. That is really odd. Just pisses me off. And you see that everywhere. There's like three levels of the whole sticker, twitchy, pissed off thing that happens. There's. The first level, which is the bo- most benign, which is a sticker that perhaps you hadn't noticed, you know, maybe it kind of blends in with the with yeah, the or yeah, iPod it, it or almost looks like it belongs there or something. Like yeah, that. until you read it and it says, you know, send in your warranty card or something. <laughs> right, right, right. And then there's the second level, the one I I just mentioned that it's really pre- prevalent, <laughs> prevalent too, on uh, on digital cameras for some reason. This this is where I seem to see it a lot. People. Whipping out their camera at the kids' soccer game, and it has a sticker on it telling you how many megapixels and what kind of battery, and like pushing you to buy the camera and you own it. Are, are you that's, sure that that's a sticker and it's not like the thirty thousand horsepower thing? Yeah, that's on the side yeah, of the car? I'm dead. That bothers me too. I wish I could own things that just didn't have the propaganda all over it. Like I, I hate when someone's driving a truck and I see that it says like a uh, maximum off-road, heavy-duty, whatever the crap. But that's <laughs> right, yeah. that's part of it. But when you leave the little mileage, you know, EPA mileage on the window, that's when it sucks. I'm looking at my camera now, and it says just <laughs> PowerShot Digital Elf SD 1100 IS. But there, it does say, right, like in the circle around the lens, 8 megapixels. And it's not a sticker. It's printed right on. All right. See, I'll, I'll let that go. But the, the worst one, the one that just makes me want to bite people, <laughs> is when they leave the clear protective film on on things. Like sometimes you'll see someone with a, a device that has a screen on it and it still has that little plastic that it came in the box with over the screen or the edge of their TV. You know, smooth, soft plastic tends to come with that protective film. Sure, yeah. After a while, it starts peeling up around the edges and it looks like hammered dog shit. And I just, I'm so obsessive. I want to pick it like an itchy scab. I want to walk up to it and like peel it off. Like, gosh, see, doesn't that look better? God, I hate that. Pisses me off. I'm sorry, man. That's all right. That's what this show is all about. Therapy for me. What about you? What pisses you off? You know, I have one thing that pisses me off. Why is it that everybody on the road who drives a Mini Cooper is an asshole? Oh, sorry, Carrie. (laughs) I don't know about Carrie. But I got cut off in traffic three times this week by motherfuckers in Mini Coopers. You know, Mini Coopers are, A, small, and B, expensive to repair. 
Why don't you just give those people a nudge? They'll stay out of your way. Yeah, so, you know, there's this big, filthy Toyota pickup truck rolling down the highway. I, I wouldn't think that I would be the ideal person to cut in front of. But it keeps happening repeatedly. And you know, like, I, I used I to own a big, filthy Toyota pickup truck. Yeah. And it came with, like, one of those lifts that had the monster truck tires on it and everything. Mm-hmm. So it was, when someone would do something like that, I took a lot of pleasure out of getting uncomfortably close to them. <laughs> That's all I need, some knob to hit the brakes and run into the back of them, and then, you know, it's on me. Yeah. So yeah. It's kind of not worth the, the effort, I think. Yeah, for a long time, I was having trouble with people who would drive uh, Ford Tauruses with the Jesus Fish sticker on them. Why would, I mean, the Jesus Fish sticker, it's well, just another accoutrement, right? Yeah, so that's a whole other guy? issue, but it's like, I invariably, if I would be stuck behind someone driving painfully slow in a situation where I couldn't pass, I, it would take me a minute. I'm like, oh my god, it's a, it's another Ford Taurus with a Jesus fish sticker on it. Go figure. Well, that's, that's the thing with the Mini Coopers. I just, it's been kind of conspicuous that they're cutting me off lately. <laughs> so it's fresh in my mind. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, their little club website or something features a picture of your vehicle. Yeah. Mess with this guy. So hey, you know what else pisses me off? Uh, there are a couple of couple of open issues that we have uh, from last episode, the big PAX video game episode. So you remember I was talking about how cool Instant Jam was, yeah, uh, on Facebook, the little video game kind of widget that allows we're both you to about that. right that allows you to play rock band type gaming while playing the songs you already own on your computer. So I'm playing this the other night. I play a set of songs, and it's got like this little bugginess where there's a couple of songs I click on, and it says, something weird happened, so uh, refresh your browser. So I do that a couple of times, and it doesn't seem to work, so I move on to the next song. So after I do that a couple of times, it says, sorry, you have no more plays today. And I'm like, "What? what the hell? And so I start looking at it, and I start clicking on things. Sorry, you have no more plays today. Evidently, you can only play three songs before leveling up if you level up then you get like it's like a first down you get three more plays otherwise you have to turn it off and wait till like the next day or a few hours or whatever for plays to regenerate oh that's weird that is the shittiest thing ever i mean awful because yeah you're playing it like music style games like that you know you want your fix you want to play your set of songs it's maybe seven eight songs or something like that you know, you play three songs, that's not enough songs, especially since it was fucking up. And on top of it, it's a beta. So yeah. why are you limiting people at all if it's a fucking beta? Maybe they're testing out their limiting software. I don't know, but that that just kind of pissed me off right there. The fact that I can't, you know, what is the point of having a game that you can't play when you want to play it? Yeah, I hate any software that tells me yeah, I can't play with it the way I want to play with it. Free or not. I mean, oh, yeah, they would they would sell me more plays. I could have 74 plays for $50. Yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff that... That totally no. pissed me off. Uh, you know, so anybody just be aware. The game's still fun, still worth checking out, but there is that kind of dark cloud on one side of it that is a little bit vexing. So be aware of that. Yeah, you, you are right, though. What do you expect for free? That's still true but it's in beta so if they're testing it out let people play it unlimited hey you know what i'm testing out in beta on my droid what angry birds are you yeah finally the beta i mean it's not the complete game yet but 
I wonder it's, if that's. Do you think that they'll be you'll be able to play multiplayer or at least challenge mode on that? I don't know. Probably because I've been I've played it a bunch, but I've only played it you know single player. So that's... I didn't even know there was a multiplayer mode. I, I didn't either. That's why I'm asking because that would be cool if we had another game that we could play every once in a while. Yeah, like Plants vs Zombies on the Xbox. You, you know the Plants vs Zombies on the Xbox now. You can play multiplayer, right? Oh, I did not know that. No. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if you can play multiplayer online or if it's just on your. That's something to check out. But yeah, you can have one person be the plants and one person be the zombies. Or you can play a cooperative. It's kind of fun. I don't know. I've got a whole list of shit I want to buy for Xbox Live now. I want to buy the real version of Monday Night Combat, I think. Yeah. And I want to buy Mass Effect, the Lair of the Shadow Broker. That new uh, downloadable content came out, so I kind of want to get that too. Yeah, I fell asleep halfway through that. Yeah, bloom. Anyway, uh, uh, some other uh, video game stuff. Uh, the folks at Ilphonic wanted me to just correct the record uh, about Nexus uh, from our last episode to just make sure everybody knows that, okay, I kind of couched it as that the game was free. The game is currently free on the PC to download, but it's the old version. It's like a generation ago. The new version that they're working on now is going to cost 15 bucks for consoles. So it's not. that's The new one will not be free. So I just wanted to clarify that as well. All right. Consider it clarified. Fantastic. Old version free. Upcoming new super duper kick-ass version, $15. $15. That's it. So, hey, um, I've got a little feedback actually too from the last episode. So, Give me the feedback. All right. Well, this is an email from Grant from Vancouver. Hey, guys, I'm listening to your PAX episode, and I was curious about your impressions of the Proto Men. I was disappointed you guys didn't enjoy seeing them. I'm a fan myself, but that's beside the point. But what was more interesting was the terms and symbolism you guys used to describe the band. I noticed you guys were using terms like Springsteen-esque golden earring music and the David Bowie face paint. I honestly didn't even know what some of the references you were making meant. Do you think that part of your tepid reaction to the Proto Men music is having experienced that style of music when it was mediocre pablum that was forced into the mainstream? Studies show that people attach themselves to the music they really liked around their late teens and early 20s. Do you think the converse is true? That music that you didn't dig back in the day would color future musical experiences? I am 30 years old myself, and I am just a little too young to have experienced the Queen Bowie kiss inspirations that a lot of the Proto Men music is inspired by. My reference point for this period in music is all compilation and best of media. I never get to see or hear the crappy stuff that people don't talk about once the musical movement is diminished. Anyway, just some food for thought. I love the podcast and you guys as well. I would never stop listening just because we disagreed on one band's music. In well, fact, I should hope not. In fact, you know what pisses me off? When nerds <laughs> freak out on someone because a person isn't into the thing they're passionate about. People get to enjoy different things. If you can't handle people that disagree, then you'll spend your life surrounded by like-minded sheep, and you'll never be introduced to something new that you really enjoy. Thank you all, Grant A. Cool. Wow, what an intelligent email. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. So what do you think about that? I think he does have a point. I think that, and it's not an absolute, but I think that if there is music that you detest at a certain, at that point of your life, you tend to continue to detest that kind of music. And there, there are some bands that I didn't, I just didn't like, like in high school, but then I listened to them more in college, but still that's that late teens, early 20s stuff. Right. When I listened to them more, I went, oh, okay, now I get it. I like this band. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that stuff that I, I heard a little in high school, and then in college I heard a lot more of it, hated it, as an adult hated it. <laughs> right. You know, hate it still. You know, the point I made back to him was that, to my mind, I mean, the, the, a lot of the music that we were hearing 
the seventies and eighties album oriented rock, if you will, that we you know kind of talked about. I mean, AOR. The stuff that I grew up with, eighties metal was like a direct, harder, louder, faster response to like the dinosaur rock of the seventies. So if you're listening to Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, you know that's that's coming as a, a sort of a rebuttal to things like Yes and you know prog rock and you know some of that stuff perhaps that influenced the protom so i i can kind of see why you know just off the the face of things why i wouldn't like that so much that said i can think of a number of bands that i kind of didn't like the first time i heard them and grew on me later like the violent femmes the meat puppets dillinger escape plan and john coltrane all of those were the first time i heard them i was like what the fuck yeah, and yeah, they that's grew true. on me later. So I, I think there's room for kind of you know musical growth if you give something a chance. Well, there's definitely a mus- room for musical growth if you think about something like nerdcore that didn't exist when we were at that age, and, and we like it now. And right. you know, I hated, hated, hated rap until the Beastie Boys came along, and even that that first album, License to Ill, when it came out, there were a couple songs I liked, and most of it, yeah, so so, and that over time grew on me and that maybe it's because hip-hop has become a lot more complex and intelligent there's a lot more music going on than just a a backbeat and somebody making rhymes to it but yeah i don't know they're bands that i don't like but i can respect i can respect what they do like yes i don't like i don't enjoy listening to any yes songs but i can i can listen to their music and appreciate what they're doing from a musical and technical and from from a standpoint of a person that understands music a little bit but i thought the protomen were with the exception of the the two chicks that were backup singers i thought they're all marginal musicians yeah nothing they did was terribly complex or original or different or not nothing that they did maybe go wow he's really good at right well, well musically keyboard. i mean what they were doing as far as perhaps the story that they were telling that seemed like there might be something there but without a musical foundation that was more interesting. I kind of, that was what lost me. Yeah. And you know what? Bowie and his face paint. I've always liked David Bowie, actually. You know, I, I, I just didn't felt like actually, been done though. Why are you doing that? This? Was one of the things though. I didn't, I didn't see the Bowie in it or hear the Bowie that you did other beyond maybe on a showmanship level. Yeah. Well, that's where like musically. Yeah. Musically, they didn't sound like Bowie. And like he mentioned kiss being an influence. Grant did. I wish they were more influenced by Kiss. If they were harder and had more hooks, I probably would have loved the Proto Man. But they weren't, so I didn't. I don't know. (laughs) You know what? Maybe that's another example of growing into something because the music I started listening to and really got into was rebellion against the music you were listening to. I was listening to punk, and I I couldn't deal with this wimpy, wimpy little falsetto singing, spandex wearing heavy metal stuff. Until I heard Metallica, and I went, oh, okay, they rock. And then over time, maybe because of you, I grew to like some of those bands. Like, yeah. big stupid fun of Motley Crue. It's not musically challenging. It's not anything except just, wee! <laughs> Still, it's yeah. fun to listen to. Yeah, sure. Wow, well, so, thanks, yeah. thanks very right. much, Grant. That was a, a good discussion, and certainly something to think about. I yeah, hope but, you, don't... you know, Grant, we're trying to drag this show down to more of a crotch level. And when you send <laughs> us intelligent email like that, it, it just it really derails the whole thing. Well, you know, we play so many different types of music on the show. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Doesn't, don't you have to hate something we play on here? I would be amazed if there's anybody that likes all the music we play on the show. With the exception of me. Yeah, except for you and me. <laughs> like, that's it. 
But yeah, beyond that, we play a pretty wide range, and so I, I wouldn't feel bad if anybody says, you know, this one's not for me. I'll catch you next episode. <laughs> yeah, but we're not having the proto man on. Okay. One one other thing is, uh, I shot out a thing on Twitter just asking after the music conversation. It's like, hey, you know, uh, anybody out there, if we've turned you on to anything, uh, let me know. You know, uh, any type of music that you particularly like, any movies, any you know, whatever. O'Day wrote in and said. In the last three years, you've turned me on to nerdcore rap and latex porn. Thanks. <laughs> now, I, I'm pretty sure which one I was responsible for. <laughs> I don't recall that episode, but I'm going to have to go back. <laughs> so when when were you talking about latex porn? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm not into latex porn. I don't even know what that is. I got some like the, awesome like visuals the- in my head right now, but... Like rubber suits and stuff like that, isn't that what that? Oh is? yeah, like yeah, that's we were. Were we talking about like fetishes? Yeah, people that wear latex and people that dress yeah, up like horses. Like, that's a fetish thing. That's yeah. a, a separate thing from the people who dress up like horses. I think. Well, no, there's like the the vinyl latex. There's like horse. the la- the latex yeah. horse people. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. You know can that. dress up like a vulcanized horse. <laughs> I don't. I, Get I, it, but okay, I, hey man, time, whatever works for it's you. This time might come out. I uh, <laughs> actually, I gotta admit this, I'm a little embarrassed, but after a few years I spent in London, I, I like to dress up as the Michelin Man. <laughs> I have Michelin a, Man is French. I have this big sex suit that's made out of tires. <laughs> oh, man. Are they white tires? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. White walls. Okay, they're not completely white. Because the Michelin Man is made out of white tires, which for a long time was very confusing to me. <laughs> Maybe uh, what I actually color? wrote Michelin and, and a, asked for clarification. What did they say about that? Well, I wrote Michelin. I said, "Hey, this guy is made out of tires. Tire, all the tires I know are black. This guy is white. Is this like a racial thing?" Question: Is the the kind of rubber that like seeps out of a rubber tree plant naturally, the sap or whatever, is that white? I don't believe so. I, I bet it's not wrong. black because the black is vulcanized rubber, right? I thought rubber was just a, a real dark, blackish color anyway. To start. I, I thought they do something to it to make it, you know, sturdier for the road or whatever. I don't know. Maybe well, they, they definitely do. If you right. use real, just raw rubber, your tires would fall apart. Because I, I thought like ru- like a rubber band, that's raw rubber with no color in it. Is it? I think so. I don't know. If any listeners well, do you know. you want to know why the Michelin Man is white or do you want to talk about your rubber band? Well, but who says the Michelin Man is white? White. I mean, that could be just artist design. But the initially, guy it's that like wrote rubber to band. And found out the answer. That's who says it's white. What? Did, okay. What did the guy say? Oh, nope. You pissed me off. I'm not telling. Fuck you. Just say the answer. All right. They used to wrap tires in white paper, and so when you went and bought new tires, you'd get these four white donut things. My, and then I talked to my dad about it. He's like, oh, that's right. You go to the tire store and you buy your tires. And like the sales guy, right after you buy them, he'd bounce them on the floor to crack the paper off them. And then you go and put them on your car. Huh. That's interesting. Do they yeah. still do that at all? or Not a big O. <laughs> no, they usually have the tires in stack. But how do you know that when they come in on the truck, they're not wrapped in paper and they just take them off before they roll them out on the show floor? I don't know. It seems like it would be kind of a waste of paper. What does that paper actually do? Well, it was a waste of paper back then too, right? Well, are you saying yeah. there was more paper then? There was more paper then. That was before the great paper shortage, before paper went extinct. All right. Why don't we uh, check out a song? Yeah, let's check out a song. This is Ruling Me by Weezer.
All right. Once again, that was Ruling Me off of Hurley, the brand new CD just released a couple of weeks ago by Weezer on Epitaph Records. So Weezer formed Weezer. in 1992 by Rivers Cuomo, who's a lead vocalist, lead guitar, keyboards, and primary songwriter. At the time, Matt Sharp was the bassist. He um, went on to form the Rentals, hasn't been with the band for quite some time. He's replaced by Scott Schreiner. Pat Wilson, also a founding member on drums since 1992. And Brian Bell, who's been with the band since 1993. So pretty much the same lineup with the uh, exception of the bassist for, shoot, the last almost 20 years. They've released their first album in 1994, uh, Weezer, the Blue Album, which is uh, kind of known for the big songs, Buddy Holly, Undone the Sweater Song. You know, I, I gotta say, Weezer's a band that I am such a sucker for crunchy, melodic guitars. I've said it before, just distorted guitars that carry a nice melody. I really dig that. So I've always dug this band. I mean, I play more Weezer on Rock Band than any other band by far. <laughs> I love playing Weezer on Rock Band. So that's, you know, I've, I've been a fan of theirs for really a long time. Uh, 94 was that album. Then uh, Pinkerton came out in 96. Their second, uh, the Green Album, also called Weezer's 2001. Maladroit, 2002. Make Believe, 2005. Uh, the Red Album, also called Weezer. So they've had three self-titled albums in 2008. Uh, Ratitude in 2009, which we reviewed in the spring. And then all those came out on uh, DGC Interscope Records. Uh, and then this summer, they went a different direction and signed with uh, Epitaph Records, which is an independent record label owned by the former guitarist for Bad Religion. Uh, also, Epitaph is the home of Hellcat Records, which is owned by the uh, rancid frontman Tim Armstrong. They are also the home of Fat Possum Records, which is uh, a great label for blues guys like R.L. Burnside and Junior Kimbrough. So it's pretty cool that, you know, a band of this magnitude has gone indie. I dig that. So they just released Hurley, which uh, is called that because it has the smiling face of Hurley from Lost on the cover. Actor Jorge Garcia. Uh, in my opinion, it is perhaps the most consistent collection of songs since maybe the Green Album, arguably. Uh, just great stuff across the board. Uh, song uh, Memories, which we kicked off the show. I really dig, as well as Ruling Me that you just heard. You hear influences from other kind of classic bands. There's a song that's a little mellower called Runaway that reminds me so much of the Cars. Well, that's kind of sweet. Yeah, and then there's a song called Hang On, which we'll hear later, which has a definite ELO vibe. I don't know how you feel about ELO, but that's kind of one of my, my guilty pleasures, too. I've always really dug those songs. I didn't know that. Yeah, I love me some ELO, dude. I've loved me some ELO forever. <laughs> really? Yeah, don't bring me We've down. We've been together all these years. Yeah. We just find this out about each other. Yeah, I fucking love ELO. So Hang oh. On is really cool because it, it definitely is kind of a salute. And what's cool is on that track, Scott Pilgrim himself, Michael Sarah, plays mandolin and uh, sings some backing vocals on that song. Huh. So that's, that's cool. pretty cool. It's a really cool collection overall. I really have been enjoying it a lot. Uh, you can listen to most of the songs currently on their MySpace, so if you want to give that a test before you buy it, but it's definitely worth it. For a couple bucks more, there's a deluxe version, which has four extra songs. They did a song called Represent This Summer, which is kind of like an unofficial uh, anthem of the World Cup, and that's a really catchy song, and that's one of the four extra songs you get on the deluxe version, so that's definitely worth your time. 
You can pick up the CD Hurley at any fine independent music store near you. Also, keep an eye on Weezer.com. They'll be announcing some tour dates for this fall. And rumor has it they're going to be playing some shows where they play tunes strictly from the Blue Album and Pinkerton. So I'd say check it out. Check it out. You're listening to it now. All right, so uh, why don't we listen to another tune? I want to thank a few people this show since it's our three-year celebration. Two people who make this whole thing possible, Ska Mama and Mrs. Wombat. I mean... <laughs> I was going to say Steve and Gord. Us too. But, you know, Ska Mama listens to the show first every episode. She's the one who, who checks it out first and makes sure that I didn't screw something up, the volume's okay on all the songs. Uh, she, you know, tolerates us swearing in here right next to the kids' bedroom while they're trying to sleep every other Tuesday night. And I just, I really appreciate the support our wives give us for this little frolic. So thank you to both of you. This is dedicated to you, Smart Girls. Where did all these smart girls come from?
right, once again, Smart Girls off of Hurley by Weezer. Buy it, own it, enjoy. You know, that's the thing about you and me. That's yet another reason why we're so compatible. Both of us married chicks that are way smarter than we are. <laughs> you almost have to, don't you? Yeah. To, oh, to get I by in life. Yeah. Well, and it's good if, you know, people that you end up partnering with are smart in a different way than you are. Like, you know, yeah, she, she can handle shit I can't handle, and hopefully I can do the same for her. If she ever needs a stereo wired, <laughs> yeah, that's, I can do that. For, for some reason, that's still my realm, too. If it's involving putting the, the red plugs in the red holes and the white plugs in the white holes on the electronics, mm-hmm. I can do that. It's beyond her. She can manipulate a multi-million dollar, you know, high-tech centrifuge. But when it comes to the home stereo, she, you know, she probably just lets me do that. So I feel like I can do something. Yeah. That's so probably what's happening. I can make a mean risotto. I, I bring that to the table. Oh, dude. Did I mention my dinner tonight? You did. Yeah, it sounded okay. pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we, we kind of went weeknight. You know, it was one of those nights where Julie was at roller derby. So I kind of whipped up spaghetti for the kids after I took the babysitter home and stuff like that. It was one of those quick things. It wasn't particularly flashy or fancy. It was just a weeknight dinner. So certainly workable, but nothing that I would brag about. Yeah, tonight was, uh, I don't know, I had a little bit of extra time. It was just, that's one of the nice things about working from home. Work was like dead mm-hmm. at 4 o'clock, and I went, well, I'll go to the store and you know, stocked up on supplies and got some hamburger. And... Well, probably... oh, you know what the other thing I did was? What's that? We had these big peppers growing. I picked a couple of those, and I uh, did you some s- bacon. Did you stuff them? I stuffed them. <laughs> they're, you know, they're... Like Anaheim chilies or something. I'm not even exactly sure what they are. Stuffed from the cream cheese and bacon and then threw those on the grill with, with the burgers and the asparagus. That sounds remarkably healthy. I'm sure it was. Because <laughs> I actually took the calories and the fat out of the bacon and the cream cheese. Oh, that's good. So you put like it in my mouth. You put the bacon and cream cheese in a centrifuge and spun yeah. it <laughs> until all the fat was out and then the remaining thing. Oh, dude. So last week, you know, every once in a while, I'll try to try something healthier. And so I picked up turkey bacon. What a fucking nightmare that was. There is nothing in the world more horrible than turkey bacon. There is. What was that stuff that when we were a kid, sizzling? <laughs> no, sizzling's oh. better than turkey bacon. Dude. I don't know, man. Turkey bacon, turkey bacon tastes like flat turkey with bacon flavoring on it. And you you have to cook it. You know, it doesn't crisp up like regular bacon. So you basically have to keep cooking it until it turns into a chip. <laughs> it was absolute horseshit. I will never make that mistake again. Well, good job for trying, but... Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, I've actually been able... I can make a decent turkey burger now. Yeah? Well, yeah, yeah. You, like, chop up some onion and get a can of, like, green uh, verde chilies, you know? Green and verde are the same thing. Yeah, well, you know what the ones I mean, though. Not the really spicy ones, like the the mild green peppers. And you put those, you know, mix that in with like a pound of turkey. And then don't overcook it because it'll dry out. And that makes like a really good kind of southwestern burger. We're like Anthony frickin' Bourdain tonight. I guess we are. Well, with no no discernible direction or anything. Yeah, uh, we're just going to talk about food. Okay, we can talk (laughs) talk about something else. So, speaking of video game stuff. Okay. Last weekend, Julie took my daughter to Girl Scout camp, and so it was just us boys for the weekend. So my son, his birthday was that week, and so he had his buddy over to have, like, a sleepover. And so they were in. Thad got Halo Reach for his birthday. 
and so they're also appropriate for a child his age. Yeah, well, more or less. <laughs> anyway, it's more it's more appropriate. Okay, I, I'm probably a bad parent for letting my son play Halo, but yeah. as far as first person shooters go, I mean, you're shooting aliens, so you're not shooting humans. So for the most part, it's it's not nearly as violent or grotesque as like Call of Duty or Left 4 Dead. So that's kind of how I justify it. I don't know. All right. Anyway. So they're playing deathmatch against each other, Thad and his buddy. And they're, they're running around shooting each other. And his buddy, at one point, they're sitting on the floor, crisscross applesauce. They got a little bowl of popcorn between them. And his buddy looks over at Thad and says, this is fun. And that was the exact same thing that happened when we were playing Blur at PAX. And I just thought that was so cool that, you know, like we've handed video games down to the next generation. How come we didn't have popcorn? I don't know, but I, I, that was just a cool moment for me. So. Oh, I thought a, I'd share. That's sweet. <laughs> so, dude, are, are marshmallows candy? Marshmallows candy. What the fuck is a marshmallow? You know, you can make your own marshmallows, I, and I you can know you can buy like in the herbs section. You can buy marshmallow root. Yeah. But I don't. I don't really know. I mean, a marshmallow. All it is is just sugar. Right. So, by definition, then, I mean. Is candy candy because it's sugar? I think it has to be candied. I think you have something. to, like, infuse sugariness to something to make it into candy. No, not necessarily, because you can take, like, just sugar and put it in a pot with, like, oh, food yeah, coloring right. and flavor, and you cook it, and you, like, with a thermometer or whatever, and make it hardball or whatever. Yeah. No, uh, marshmallow is a vegetable. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like a tomato. Yeah. No or a hamburger. <laughs> I don't know. What, are, what prompts this? I don't know. It just occurred to me, and, you know, we hadn't done a Just Ask Gordon in a while, so I thought I'd ask oh, you, okay. what the fuck yeah. is a marshmallow? I'm going to say a marshmallow is a member of the candy group. Okay. Or at yeah. least a, a what, what is the other, like a... It's not in the pizza group. Confection? It isn't confection. Well, a confection can be like, like a oh, pastry well, and is cookie. Frosting, and kind of is frosting like a confection? Because that's what I was thinking, like, it's almost not a condiment, but... Yeah, frosting is a condiment. Like It's a the... confection condiment. <laughs> I had a confection just the other night. Was... Yeah? Did you have a yeast confection? It was pretty hot. No, not that kind of confection. Oh. <laughs> yeah, when you were uh, a much better person than going to church regularly, didn't you go to confection? <laughs> I may have, yeah. Yeah. That's why I went, because, you know, you'd go up to the preacher and he'd give you a candy. <laughs> that wasn't a candy. Oh, shit. Oh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a priest? <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. A one? One. A two. A three. <laughs> Bless you, my child. What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I just finished a book. So we were talking a couple episodes ago. You had meant, We were talking about Let the Right One In. Yeah. And so uh, Handling the Undead is the new book by uh, John Ashvede Lindqvist, who is the author of Let the Right One In. It's uh, actually his take on zombies. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of got an interesting premise. Basically, there's a town in Sweden, and these white caterpillar things come down from the sky and go into the ground, and if they infest a corpse, the corpse rises. All right. And they're not necessarily, like, malevolent. They're just awake. And, you know, depending on how old the corpse is, it was, like, just people that had died in the last month or whatever. 
And so very fresh ones could actually sort of have a conversation, whereas older ones were, you know, not in as good a shape. And there's this kind of a mental thing, like basically the, the, the zombies would react, or the reliving, they call them, um, would react to the emotions around them. So if you were scared or afraid or violent towards them, they would be that way to you. They kind of were a reflection of, of the person or the emotions. And so it was kind of a different take on the zombie thing. In the end, I kind of found the ending of it was not that satisfying. It, it, it was almost missing like a big climax that you hoped for. And there were a couple of lines of narrative that you kind of expected to end bigger than didn't. So I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I don't think I liked it that much. I don't think it was as good as Let the Right One In. You know, I'm glad I read it, but I, I just don't think it was that great. So it's going to be out in October from Thomas Dunn, St. Martin's Press. You know what just came out? What's that? The next vampire book by Guillermo del Toro. Is that out? I just got it in the mail. Oh, shit. I got to check that out. How do you not have that already? I didn't know it was here. I didn't it's know, out? I didn't get an advanced copy this time. Wow. Probably it was so good they didn't need to make them this time. Yeah, that's probably The, the yeah. last one was, was amazing, so that's cool. Yeah. Have you started it? Nope. I'm reading another book. I don't, I don't even remember the title because I had to pick up the book and put it away. Otherwise, I'd just immediately start reading it, and I want to finish the other book first. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to – I think I'm going to read uh, Scott Sigler's Ancestor. I've got that kind of sitting on deck. But that will go quick because he's got uh, – some of the chapters of that are online radio show type of thing. So I'll listen to, you know, some of that, and I'll be able to work, and then I'll be able to read through it faster. So maybe I'll uh, knock through that and then pick up the Guillermo. Because I, I really want to read that. The Strain was amazing. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I thought it was coming out next month. I was I was surprised when it showed up. You know, uh, speaking of books, yeah. books from, like, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I've been reading to Thad lately the uh, – Mystery of the Whispering Mummy, which is actually the third one we've read. Remember uh, Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators? Yeah. That, that that series. Wasn't that a cool series? Jupiter Jones and Pete Crenshaw and Bob Andrews. They were like these teenage sleuths. And you they, know, I, I never really got into that very much as a kid. I read one or two and then... Oh, I read the whole si series voraciously. The Hardy Boys at the time and stuff like that was kind of old. You know, I don't know. It felt too stodgy. Yeah. And these were right up my alley, and there was like 40 of them at the time, and I read every single one of them. And it was kind of like the last big series I read before I started getting into, you know, movie novelizations like Star Wars and The Hobbit, and, you know, starting reading like full adult type of novels. But uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. It, it holds up well, with the exception of things like, you know, no cell phones, obviously. Right. But it's, I've noticed that in reading some of those old books, like, we have to find a telephone. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's still really good stuff. And secondly, we found my old copy. This I paid $1.75 for this. I don't even remember when. Don Martin, The Mad Adventures of Captain Klutz. Oh, right on. <laughs> Where he fights such supervillains as Gorgonzola, Sissy Man, and the zombies of Megapolis. Oh, that's very cool. It's still in great shape, too. Yeah, I've been reading some comics. I'm Oh, I read another issue, Haunt. I'm done with that, I think. But read the, the latest Chew. Chew's cool. great, isn't it? Yeah. You know what pisses me off? What's that? How can you have a great, original, fun idea like the like Chew, mm -hmm. and it stays a comic book, and yet they remake the same goddamn movies over and over again? Like, let the right one in. Yeah. I mean, 
they just made that movie. No, they got to re-release it. They got to make it again. Yeah, I, I don't well, understand. I have, I have no interest at all in seeing Let Me In because I kind of feel like I've seen it. Yeah, you have. What? Yeah. So why so why would you. I? Some sequels, though. I, I think I mentioned that uh, Julie and I went and saw Piranha 3D. Yeah. I thought that was an absolute blast. It well, was big. That's because it had like 18,000 naked breasts. In it, it did. It had a ton of naked breasts. It had just crazy deaths left and right. It was absolutely insane. It had a decent cast. I mean, Richard Dreyfus is in it and uh, Elizabeth Shue. And, you know, I mean, you know, the, it was a fun cast. And I had a ball watching it. And that, yet I heard, uh, I was listening to our buddies, uh, Mike, over at Cadaver Lab. And uh, Johnny was like complaining about it. He was like, well, it seemed like. The, the first two piranhas, they tried to do serious, and this one tried to be just too campy, and it didn't work. And it just had too many fake breasts. Too many <laughs> fake breasts? I think he's just nitpicking. I think he was trying to pod argue and come up with, you know, just something to argue about. He's nitpicking. Exactly. I mean, how do you, you know, and I, I, my Coke was a little sweet, and I, my seat was <laughs> The itchy. bubbles tickled my nose. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? You, you, you go, you're going to Piranha 3D. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get big, stupid summer fun. So enjoy it for what it is. Don't bitch about it because it has too many fake tits. Are you kidding me? Anyway, I, I mentioned to Mike that I would say something about that. So there, it's been said, Mike. It's been said. I said it. Yeah. Want to go watch something intelligent and, and, and slow and, and thinky without a big soundtrack or giant explosions or anything? Or great go big watch The American. Three, <laughs> 3D <laughs> Exercise rat. your head. Don't go watch Piranha 3D. Jesus. Yeah. You know, so so was the American, was that like the, what was it, the Constant Gardener with uh, Matt Damon? You know, I never saw the Constant Gardener. I don't know. And this was based on a book that like I've never Like a really kind of slow spy saga that took place over 30 years and not a lot happened. Well, this is a slow spy saga, but it, it wasn't, it took place over like several weeks. Hmm. And the guy wasn't actually a spy. He was a... He was a he was a weapons dealer. Is what he was. But you know, if you're in, if you're in the right mood and you want to see something like that, yeah, it was it was a cool movie. Don't go if you're expecting, you know, massive special effects, car chases, and helicopter gunfights. But that's not gonna happen. I don't know. I haven't been. I need to see some movies or something. I mean, we were sort of catching up on uh, one of the later seasons of The Wire lately, and uh, we've been watching a ton of Mad Men. That show is so good. Do you watch Mad Men? No, I know I'd get into it, but no. Oh, dude, it's fantastic. It's really worth your time. If you're not watching Mad Men, you need to watch it. Yeah, I'm watching Venture Brothers, man. New season. Yeah, you know what? I I watched the first one, and I was just like, huh? And so I kind of feel like I need to go back and rewatch season three. Yeah, go back. Skip the first episode of the last season, because it's a train wreck, and just watch... Because I I kind of, like, I, I just, I didn't get how Dr. Venture was, like, all fucked up. It just seemed like there were a bunch of holes. Or was that, were they doing that on purpose? They're just kind of mind-fucking you. Well, Dr. Venture was fucked up. That was a brand spanking new. It, it, they like to drop you in the middle of the action and make you find out what happened. Right, right, right. But they, so, it, I, I kind of felt after watching it that I still was no closer to understanding what was going on. It was funny, but I was just felt like I was missing the plot. So Yeah, you got to find out about what's going on with the monarch and, and his wife and sidekicks and whatnot. And the, the butter glider. Yes, butter glider. Oh, butter glider. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't know. And I, I think Metalocalypse is starting again soon. So I believe it is. So good shit. Some excellent animation. Is Archer coming back? 
I'm wondering the same thing. I have seen zero press about it coming back. Oh. But I also haven't heard that it was canceled, so I don't know what's going on. I'll have to keep an eye peeled for that. that was funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Well, dude, you know, back in the day, we didn't have any filthy jokes or anything like that. No, we didn't. We we might have said some funny stuff, but, but we I, didn't. I like to. I do like to wrap up the episode with some kind of levity. Well, let me tell a joke then. Okay, cool. It's not a filthy joke, but in honor of Ska Mama, it's a it's a knitting joke. Okay. All right. So three pregnant ladies are are sitting in a doctor's waiting room, and they're knitting, all three of them. Okay. And the first one stops knitting, reaches into her purse, pulls out a bottle of pills. Swallows one of the pills, puts it down. The other ladies go, well, what was that? She goes, oh, that was a calcium supplement. It's good for the mama. It's good for the baby. And they all smile and go back to the knitting, the knitting for a while. And the second expectant mother reaches into her purse, pulls out a bottle of pills, pops one in her mouth and swallows it. Well, what's that? Oh, that's a multivitamin. It's good for the mama. It's good for the baby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Pat their large tummies and keep knitting. A little bit later, the third lady reaches into her purse, pulls out a bottle of pills, pops one, swallows it down, puts it back in her bag. Oh, what's that? She goes, it's thalidomide. I don't know how to knit sleeves. <laughs> Come on! That was brilliant! I don't know what thalidomide is, dude. Oh, God! I, mean, I can't work here anymore. I demand... What the fuck is what the fuck is thalidomide? That was something that women took, and it the it gave birth defects or the flipper babies. Children were born with like <laughs> missing arms because <laughs> the moms took thalidomide. I don't know. I thought moms took laudanum, a tincture of laudanum. I didn't. They I did don't. that too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. That's uh, all right. I, I guess that was my failure. Well, I'll make it up to you with a reading from the Book of Limerick. Oh, all right. You sounded like the monarch just then. Thank you. There was a young man from Devizes whose balls were of different sizes. The left one was small, almost no ball at all, and the right one was large and won prizes. I've heard that same limerick with Isis. There once was a woman named Isis. How did she have balls? Well, she had breasts that were two different sizes. <laughs> one was so small, it was nothing at all. The other was large and won prizes. Okay. Maybe they should date. The king gave a lesson in class. When he was once fondling a lass. When she used the word damn, he chided, Please, ma'am, keep a more civil tongue in my ass. <laughs> okay, that was funny. <laughs> Thank you. There once was a young man named McPhee who was stung in the balls by a bee. He Yikes. made oodles of money by oozing pure honey every time he attempted to pee. No? You don't like that one? No, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's close with this. There was a young mister from Blister who knocked up his girl as he kissed her. But he couldn't afford a new baby on board, so from then on, he just had to fist her. <laughs> Lord. I always close with a fisting joke. That's what Mom always said. I don't write him. <laughs> <laughs> that removes all cul culpability. There was a young girl of angina who stretched string across her vagina. From the lovemaking dock with a proper-sized cock came Takata and Fugandy Minor. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Tip your waitress. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. So, uh, this is our three-year anniversary, as we said. So uh, a couple of things. I mean, it, it's been really cool. Over the show, we've gotten to do a lot of cool things that we wouldn't otherwise have gotten to do necessarily. And one of the things is, you know, being able to, to kind of celebrate the music of some of our heroes. 
I mean, in previous episodes, we were able to do episodes on the Butthole Surfers, the Dickies, Big Black, the Fuzz Tones. And this year, it was a real cool thing for us to be able to feature Reverend Horton Heat. Yeah. Witchery. And Weezer Tonight. Awesome stuff. In addition to that, uh, I got to interview, or we got to interview between us, uh, Eddie Spaghetti from the Super Suckers, which was a blast. Jensen from Witchery. Uh, the director, Stuart Gordon. That was a real thrill. Yeah, that was fun. We also had awesome, fun interviews with new friends, like the guys from Warp 11 mm-hmm. and Beefy. I mean, that, those were great, great, fun interviews that, you know, again, I'm very thankful to have had that opportunity this year. So, very cool. And then on top of that, you know, we've had folks join us on the show that we wouldn't even know if not for the internet and this show. So, Lewis Fowler, Vaughn from Motion Picture Massacre, you know, being able to spend an episode with him was an absolute blast. Uh, Derek and Brenda from Mail Order Zombie. We wouldn't even know them if not for the show. So That's true. Yeah, so thank yous to all of them who, you know, spent a few minutes talking to us on the show over the last year. It was a great time, and uh, hopefully we'll have a lot more of that where that came from. Finally, the Film Fest. I mean, that was a big thing this year, you know, to, to kind of take the show to the next level and, you know, create a different type of event. That was tremendous. And everybody who was involved with that, uh, everybody who came to it, and certainly you, you know, for putting in all the time and effort and all that stuff. Thank you, man. That was a kick yeah, in thank the you, ass. man. You did this most is, of the work anyway. This has been a hell of a year. It's, we've, we've done a lot of cool stuff, and we're going to have a lot more where that came from, like I said. So stay tuned for that shit. Yeah. Whoa, are you still there? I'm still here. That's weird. Skype is showing that you're not. Really? It's saying boop boop. Oh, you know what? What? That was someone trying to message me in Skype. That's what that was. Who was it? Park saying, how do you say vagina in Spanish? (laughs) (laughs) Like we needed that. Yeah, thank you for that, Park. Did you know we're on? Way to add to the show. Yeah, he had no idea. All right, and then most of all, thank you to anybody who downloaded this show over the last year, who, you know, spent an hour or two to listen to us ramble. Or four or (laughs) twelve. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Thank you so much. Otherwise, we're just talking to ourselves. Which we would do anyway. But, yeah, that's you know, true. To have some folks to share it with, that makes it all the better. So, thank you. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email at steve at bonehand.com. We've got new content on the newly refashioned bonehand.com every Sunday. Did some fiddling around with that, and uh, it looks sleeker than ever. It looks nice, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Sure. So, yeah, we got, I've got the uh, heavy half hour on weeks where we're not doing the Bone Bat show, so you can keep an eye peeled for that. Uh, we actually will have a new episode of the Bone Bat show next week, however. We still have a, a Metroid Metal interview left from PAX, so we're going to feature another episode around their new EP, Expansion Pack. Also, I've got uh, some other cool stuff lined up already, so we've got another one coming very shortly. So what And else? you can yeah. find a weekly cartoon from me on MightyWombat.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. And uh, that's it. That's all of me you can get. <laughs> you can follow me as well on Twitter. I'm Bonehand over there. Or you can follow the show feed at Bonebat on Twitter. Also, if you are interested in giving us a little bit of an anniversary present, drop on by iTunes and uh, throw us a few stars over there. Even if you don't like the show, tell them what you really think. 
So that that raises our profile a little bit. Uh, when people search, you know, comedy podcasts, we don't necessarily always pop up at the top of the heap because there's a lot of what? competition over there. So anything you can do to help raise that profile is greatly appreciated. Or, you know, as always, post us on your blog, tell a friend, spread the word any way you can. That's always the graffiti. most... Do, do graffiti. The most preferable thing. Yeah, spray paint it on an overpass. The Bone Bat Show. It'll look great. Yeah, spray paint it on an old woman. All right, so thank you oh, Don't really do that. We're going to be closing out tonight with one last song from Weezer. Thank you so much to Weezer and Epitaph Records for letting us feature the band's music on this show. So freaking cool. Fucking Weezer, dude, on the Bone Bad Show. Yeah. I've got an erection. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this song is Hang On. As always, I'm Steve. And this is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
Maraschino. <laughs> <laughs> you like that, did you? I like the maraschino. 